uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 1 through 11 as we've been looking over the last couple weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Here's what he said. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant that you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, uh, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And Lord, we ask again, you bless the reading of your word and give us an ear to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be back in the house with you tonight. I was uh, on a trip last week. Didn't Miss Blonnie do a good job? Praise the Lord. And uh, always encouraged by her. And uh, she, uh, she continued right along in her series that we were teaching on the uh, gifts of the Spirit. But we've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I can't help but tell you so much how important it is for Christians today to have a vibrant, uh, vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to understand, the Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is God himself, God's Spirit that lives and dwells among us. Uh, the Lord sent him down on the day of Pentecost and said, Lo, I'll be with you always, even until the ends of the age. And so the Holy Spirit is the active person of the Trinity here on the earth, and whatever the Lord does through his church, he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's not a person that's saved. There's not a person that's healed. There's not a message that's preached or anything like that that has any effect that is not a direct result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be, as we've been talking about, born of the Spirit. That's the first work. Then we have to be baptized with or filled with the Spirit. And, uh, and then we need to be led by the Spirit. The Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God or the children of God. So we need to be led by the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. Um, we should be led by the Holy Spirit on where we go, what we say, who we get involved with, what we buy. Hello, somebody. Uh, the Holy Spirit's involvement in our life is not relegated to 1030 on Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved. And he will listen to us. And I like the way uh, my friend, Pastor Hankins says, he says, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will make you look smart. You know why? Because he's a genius. He literally knows everything. And so if we listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he will help us. Um, so we've been looking at the gifts. If I could describe the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts that God bestows through his body for other people, for the church, for edification, for growth, for encouragement. And when you see these gifts come into operation, you see it all throughout the Bible, 
what you see is a, a, a vibrant spiritual life. And um, then we see the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like love and joy, peace and patience and gentleness and meekness and all of those things, that those are things that grow out of the life of a believer, right? They start growing in us whenever we're saved and they continue to develop. How many of you have ever planted a tree and immediately you had mature fruit? No, it didn't work that way. That, that seed had to grow in the ground. That's why there's a difference between a carnal Christian and a baby Christian. Hello, a carnal Christian's just worldly, but a baby Christian, they're still growing in their knowledge of God. They're still growing in grace. Oh, I forgot. I didn't know I was supposed to say that. Oops, I didn't know I shouldn't wear that. So they're growing. But the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, and it, it is a blessing to other people, not just ourselves, but to other people. So tonight, we're going to finish up looking at the gifts of the Spirit. On week number one of this little segment, we talked about the vocal gifts. If you remember what those were, those vocal gifts, there are three vocal gifts listed in the scripture. They're tongues, interpretation of those tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Now, the reason why they're called the vocal gifts, that's pretty obvious, is because they're expressed through the tongue. They're expressed through the mouth. Um, we learned that the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues are the only two gifts out of those nine that are found, or that are not found, rather, in the Old Testament. All other seven gifts you can find in the Old Testament, but tongues and interpretation of tongues are new to the book of Acts dispensation of the church. So you don't see anything before that. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon somebody, would touch their mouth, and they would prophesy. Uh, in the New Testament, the covenant sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit was speaking with new tongues. We see on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what we learned is that these gifts are not natural knowledge. So somebody who knows Spanish and speaks Spanish can't say, well, I'm speaking in tongues. Or if they know Russian and they're speaking in Russian, they can't say, well, I'm speaking in tongues. No, you're speaking in a tongue, but an unknown tongue, the Bible talks about, is a tongue that is unknown to the speaker. It is a language that you have not learned. On the, on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, when those 120 believers were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues, they spoke in languages that they had never learned before. In fact, to their knowledge, all they were doing was just praying and glorifying the Father. Okay? So, we learned that when a person speaks in tongues, and particularly the gift of tongues that's listed here in our text, is a public gift. It's a gift that's exercised within the church, and that expression of a tongue needs the next gift, which is the gift of interpretation. Why? Because if you, you, you uh, interrupt a, a, you know, a meeting, if you interrupt and uh, you take over the whole room and you give a tongue, right? We're not talking about prayer. We're not talking about worship. We're talking about if you interrupt and 
all of a sudden, all attention is drawn on you and you're shouting in tongues. The Bible says that type of tongue needs an interpretation. Why? Because the public gathering of the believer, the purpose of it is not only to glorify and worship God, but it's to edify each other. Hello. How many of you know it wouldn't profit you to me, for me to preach a message in tongues? I probably could do it, but it wouldn't benefit you. Why? You wouldn't know what I was saying unless I told you. That's why the gift of tongues in operation in a church outside of the setting of prayer and worship, which the Bible says we can pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit, and that's talking to God. It needs no interpretation. But when we are exercising that gift in public, it needs the interpretation. So moving on, we have the interpretation of tongues. And that is a supernatural knowing of what was said in that language. And so somebody would be able to interpret that. That may look different. Uh, you know, um, on the day of Pentecost, um, the primary example of that is that those who were out there in the street, the Bible says they heard them speak in their own languages. Now, this was God giving these people a gift. He was allowing them to hear supernaturally. We don't know what it sounded like. We weren't there in person. We don't know how it could have sounded chaotic to everybody. We know it did because the Bible says these men are not drunk as you suppose. It probably looked like a drunken mess. Everybody was just everywhere. But the Bible said they heard them speak in their own language and they glorified God. So the interpretation of tongues, if there's a message in tongues that goes forth in the church, what should we do? We should stop, we should give time for prayer, and we should see if God should speak to somebody the interpretation of that tongue. That's happened before, it should continue to happen. That's um, one of the gifts of the Spirit that should be in operation in the Lord's church. I've also seen that in operation outside of the church. I've been on the mission field and had somebody speak in a language that I didn't know and I heard them in English. It's, it's different how it works. But God can use it however he wants to. Then there's prophecy. So what's the difference between tongues and prophecy? If you're a note taker, write this down. Tongues is inspired speech in a unknown tongue, whereby prophecy is inspired speech in a known tongue. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort, and can involve foretelling and forthtelling. So you can foretell the message that's already been proclaimed, or God may give somebody prophetic insight into something that's not yet happened. So that's the vocal gifts. Everybody clear on those? Amen. All right. Then the next section, which my wife covered last week, was the revelation gifts. Why are they called revelation gifts? Because those three gifts are gifts that are not necessarily manifested through the tongue, but those are gifts that God reveals something to our spirit, right? Our born-again spirit. So that was the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Now, what is a word of knowledge? Well, it's not, it's not a good education. It's not a diploma. It is a piece of supernatural knowledge that God reveals to the senses of a person. There's a good example, right? You ready for this one? Jesus was at a well, okay? We know he was 100% God, but we also know he was 100% man. 
And Acts 10, 38 tells us he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is at this well, and there's this woman there in the middle of the day. The Gospel of John records this. And Jesus uh, is talking to her about worship and her heritage. And, and uh, he said something about her husband. And the woman said, uh, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, that's right. You've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. How did Jesus know that? The gifts of the Spirit. It was a word of knowledge. It happens like that, okay? Why does God do that? Sometimes it's to get people's attention so that they say, oh, God, God knows me. He knows about me. Then you have the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom. Here is a great, great manifestation of the word of wisdom in the Old Testament found in the life of King Solomon. Does anybody remember the story of the, of the babies in the scripture and uh, that got one of the babies died and they, was, they were switched and uh, this woman was, was saying, no, that's my baby. And they were fighting back and forth. And Solomon, in his wisdom, he said, I got an answer for you. Just cut the child in half. Cut the child in half and split him in half. And then you can have half of the child. You can have half the child. Problem solved. Guess what? The real mother said, no, 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 don't do that. That was a word of wisdom. That's how that works. It's supernatural wisdom to solve a problem. Okay? You see it all throughout the Old Testament when God gave battle strategies for war for Israel and uh, for protection of the people of God. We see it in the New Testament as well, um, especially when Paul was uh, getting ready to, to go out to sea. God began to speak to him about things and what to do. So very interesting. Then you have the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. Um, I mentioned in week one that the discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. People are always suspicious. I got a feeling. I've got a hunch. The gift of discerning of spirits is not that. Uh, if you got your Bible open to our text, I want you to take notice to something. When it says discerning of spirits, um, and by the way, I want to backtrack on that. It's also not the gift of discernment. It's the discerning of spirits. And you need to note two things. The word spirits in your Bible is lowercase, okay? If it was uppercase, it would obviously be talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's lowercase. So it's not talking about necessarily the Holy Spirit, and it's plural. So discerning of spirits. So that could be um, evil spirits, human spirits. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how else to say Holy Spirits because I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit and there's not more than one, but like angels, good beings, you know, whatever. That's what I'm trying to say. Please don't soundbite that and call me a heretic. All right, I just had a weird thought about that. People take everything on the internet. Pastor Brass said there's more than one Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, come on somebody. All right, so, so good, like an angel. You can discern the presence of an angel, discern the presence of a demon, or discern whether or not it's simply just the flesh, carnality, the human spirit. Um, we see this a lot in Scripture. Um, we see Paul dealt with this uh, in Acts chapter, I believe, what, Acts chapter 16, when they're going to prayer. And the woman says, these are the men of the Most High God who's showing us the way of salvation. What she said was right, but her spirit that she said it in was wrong because if she drew enough attention to Paul, they would end up getting arrested, beaten, put in prison. She meant them no good. 
she meant them harm. And so he got vexed and he cast the spirit out of her. How did he know it was an evil spirit? The Holy Spirit discerned that in his heart. He opened up the veil of the spiritual realm and allowed him to see. That's what the discerning of spirits is. You see it in manifestation in different ways. In the Old Testament, the Bible says the servant of the Lord got up one morning, scratched his eyes, he went out and looked, and he saw all of the people were surrounded, and he got upset, and he got fearful, and he woke the prophet of God up, and the prophet prayed, and he said, Lord, open your servant's eyes that they might see. And the Bible says that, it, that he opened up his eyes, and he saw the chariots of the Lord all surrounding those enemies. And he said, there be more that be with us than they that be with them. It was a manifestation of the discerning of spirits in the Old Testament. So those are important. Um, You know, God can give you a sense about things. Like I said, it's not suspicion. It's it's just a real sense about things. And uh, and so tonight, we're going to move on to the next set. And... um, I want to to talk to you briefly about these. These are called the power gifts. Everybody say power gifts. These are power gifts because they have to do with the miraculous. They have to do with with miracles and signs and wonders and things of that nature. And um, by the way, before we jump into these, it's important for us to realize that a lot of these gifts work together in conjunction at times. And so I'll talk about that maybe a little bit more another time. But I'll look at the power gifts, okay? Now, these power gifts are going to be the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. Tonight, I want to start out talking about the gift of faith. Now, this is important. I want you to hear me. Don't read ahead. Um, We need to explain the gift of faith. Because the Bible tells us that um, as far as the gifts of the Spirit are concerned, no man possesses these and can use them at free will. The Bible says the Spirit gives them as he wills. You can't give a message in tongues at will. You can't give a prophecy at will. You can't operate in the gifts of healings at will. The Holy Spirit has to move on you in those gifts, and they manifest that way. Um, But the Bible says about faith that God has given everyone a measure of faith, okay? A measure of faith. That's talking about the salvation kind of faith, right? All of us operate in faith every single day, right? I'll tell you, I jump in my car, I put the key in, I don't even think twice if it's going to start or not. I just have faith I'm going to start the car and it's going to go down the road. Now, sometimes we have mechanical failures and things out of our control, but I never even worry about it. Don't even worry about it at all. I just have faith that it's going to work. I just have faith that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I just have, you know, we exercise faith in our everyday life in different degrees. All of us do. But the spiritual gift of faith is not the same as the fruit of faith, which, by the way, next week we're going to learn that not only is faith a gift of the Spirit, but faith is also a fruit of the Spirit. But they're different. So all Christians have the fruit or grace of faith, but it's not the same as this supernatural gift. Why? Because it's not just saving faith, but it's wonder-working faith that can take hold of spiritual principles and put them to work. Look, what does that look like? It looks like how Noah got 
divine revelation from God to build a boat and to build an ark of safety for the salvation of his family. Do you know how much faith it took Noah to build a boat? That was not regular, go outside, the sun's going to come up kind of faith. That was a, a special faith that God had put in his heart. It not only took faith to, to begin it, it took faith to keep on doing it. Because everybody thought he was crazy and people mocked him. The Bible says so. He was a preacher of righteousness and, and all of those things. But guess what? By faith, the book of Hebrews says that Noah built an ark to the saving of his family. Okay? Um, so the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit to the believer in order that he might or she might receive miracles. We're going to talk about the working of miracles a little bit later, which is a, a gift of the Spirit to do supernatural works. But one gift receives something, the other gift does something. The gift of faith is a supernatural gift that helps us to be able to receive difficult things from God. Okay, let me tell you how that looks like in Scripture. In Mark chapter 5, the Bible records... Um, that Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house and his daughter was lying sick. And as Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house, there was a woman who happened to uh, come through the crowd. She was um, ceremonially unclean. She would have menstrual issues and uh, she was anemic and she had lost so much energy. The Bible says she went to doctors and she gave all her money and she grew no better but rather worse and she kept telling herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. This woman risked her whole life. She risked everything, but she, was, she came to the end of herself and said, I'm, I'm, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted anyway. I might as well try to do something. And she exercised a special level of faith. That was above the everyday. And guess what happened? Her faith made her whole. That's what the scripture says. Paul exercised the gift of faith. and uh, Not only the gift of faith, but the, the, the word of knowledge working with the gift of faith. In Acts 27, when he stood up in the middle of the storm in the ship and declared, there will be no loss of life. For this night, the angel of the Lord stood beside me. Um, we also see that in Romans chapter 4, Abraham, when he received the word from the Lord that he would have a child when he was, um, you know, barren and didn't have any and Sarah was of an old age. But yet the Bible says he, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He believed and he received. And here came Ishmael and Isaac. Okay. What about Matthew 14? When Peter stepped out on the water. I mean, that's not something people do every day. But yet the Lord said, come, and he stepped out on the word. And when Peter got out of that boat, he didn't just step out on the word. He stepped out in faith. Everybody laughs at Peter because he fell. And oh, man, but we don't talk about the other 11 who stayed in the boat. I'd rather have somebody step out in faith and fall than to have a bunch of naysayers stay in the boat all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. But he stepped out. 
God gives us supernatural faith. Yeah, I've seen missionaries have this kind of faith. God tells them to do something and to go somewhere, and they don't have a penny to their name. But they start walking in that direction, and God supernaturally provides what they need. It happens, the gift of faith. Then we see the gifts of healings in Scripture. Now, I want you to notice when the Bible talks about the gifts of healings, the word gifts is plural. The word healings is also plural. It's the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings is supernatural gifting that manifests itself in several ways. We're going to talk about those. But I want to stop here for a moment and talk to you about healing. Now, God, his will in Scripture, right? When you look at Genesis and through Revelation, you look at the covenant with Israel, you look at the uh, church, you look at the Great Commission, and you look at the gifts of the Spirit that Jesus, uh, that the Holy Spirit gave to the church, we have no other choice but to walk away and say healing is the will of God. We see it. Now, we know that even believers, if Jesus doesn't come back, we die and we go to heaven, but we do have the hope of healing and the promise, not the hope rather, but the promise of healing and uh, all these scriptures that we pray for and we believe. And so there are different ways that healing manifests, okay? First of all, James chapter 5, verse 14 says, If anyone is sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church. Let him anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed any sin, it will be forgiven, and the Lord will raise them up, right? So guess what? If you're sick, you should call somebody to pray for you. That is not an expression of unbelief. It's actually an expression of faith because you're honoring and obeying what the Lord said. Amen. You have to, first of all, admit that you're sick. That's hard for some people to do. But you got to admit that you're sick and you got to ask for prayer. And guess what? The Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Hallelujah. God gives healing to his body through the prayer of agreement with his church. We're called to do that. Then he tells us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, in, in part of the Great Commission, he says, we're to go lay hands on the sick. When believers go out and pray for others, we're to lay our hands on the sick and to pray and believe in faith. Listen, if you're praying for me and you're not believing for me to be healed, stop praying for me. Hello, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but I'm telling you, pray in faith. And if you can't pray in faith in English, pray in faith in tongues, but pray in faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, not the prayer of unbelief. Then you got the, 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 the um, we just got the regular prayer of faith, right? We can anoint with oil. There's the laying on of hands. Uh, Jesus even got uncon unconventional when uh, the servant came and he said, Lord, you don't even have to come to my house. You just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And the Bible says he said, be healed. And their servant was healed the self-same hour. So you see healing happened different ways. But in the realm of the gifts of the spirit, he lists the gifts of healings. Now, what does this look like? I, I, as we look in the scripture, what I see is, I see first of all the gifts, because they're different gifts of healings. They may look different, manifest themselves different, and they're different types of healings that, that happen. 
different types of diseases. There are different types of things. Um, for instance, uh, Fred Stone, which would be Perry Stone's dad, he was extremely gifted and anointed to see people healed of cancer. Almost everybody he laid his hands on that he prayed for that had cancer was healed. Now, that wasn't necessarily every other type of disease, but cancer. Um, or Roberts had a gift of healing on his life. And uh, there were certain people of deafness and things like that that God healed. And A.A. And, uh, a. Allen, you know, he prayed for a lot of people that had uh, twisted limbs and whatever. And so there are people that had different specialties of areas that it seemed like God would use. So maybe it could happen that way. But um, there's another thing that we see. We see this in Acts chapter 3. Uh, the Bible says that when they were uh, out of the upper room, right, and, and uh, they were going to prayer, that the disciples came and they saw a man at a gate called Beautiful. And what was he doing? He was sitting there. He was begging for alms. He had his cup. He was shaking it. He had his sign. He was begging for money. He had been there forever. Uh, uh, we don't know if he's been there forever, but he'd been there for a while. They obviously had 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 some interaction before. This man was laid there daily is what the scripture says. And so uh, it so happened, this man, listen, here's why it's called the gifts of healings. This man wasn't believing for anything. You agree with that? You know the story? He was believing for a cheeseburger. He was believing for a cup of coffee. He wasn't believing for his healing. He was just out there begging for money, right? Now, these other areas, laying hands on the, on the sick and anointing with oil, some of that has to do with the believer's own faith, the believer's own acknowledgement of the truth of the Word of God. But the gifts of healings, what I see in Scripture, is these gifts oftentimes have diddly squat. Is that, a, is that a word? Can I say that? Diddly squat to do with the person who's receiving the gift's faith because it's a gift. If you got to do something for it, it's not a gift. Right? If, if it has strings attached to it, it's not a gift. So the gifts of healings, oftentimes people are healed by the power of God. Oftentimes this happens for unbelievers to be, see the power of God and they're healed. But what happens is Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He didn't tell him to pray about it. He didn't tell him to think about it. He didn't take a vote with the other homeless people that were around there. He said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible doesn't say the man stood there and believed for his healing. He didn't, he didn't have to grab a prayer cloth or anything like that. Why? This had nothing to do with his faith. There are times that have to do with our faith, but the gifts of healings have nothing to do with the faith of the recipient. This guy, the Bible said immediately his ankle bones received strength and he got up and began to walk and to rejoice and to uh, begin to manifest himself. You know, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. We see that in other times. Acts chapter 9, Peter obviously uh, operated in this gift. Because Peter tells a paralyzed man named Aeneas in Acts 9.32 to get up out of bed and walk. And he does. He just gets up. I'll tell you a cool story since we have a few moments. You know, Reinhard Bunke was one of the, the Billy Graham of Africa is what they call Reinhard Bunke. Because, you know, he did in Africa what, Reinhard, uh, he did what in Africa what Billy Graham did all across America 
literally winning millions of people to Christ. And when Reinhardt died, he passed his ministry on to a spiritual son named Daniel Kalinda, uh, one of my dear friends, Elliot Morgan, uh, uh, oversees, helps oversee their school of evangelism there under Daniel Kalinda. And I saw this clip and it's pretty awesome. There was a Muslim man, right, who was deaf in both ears, deaf in both ears. He was walking down the road, okay? He was walking down the road trying to get home and unbeknownst to him, they had a gospel crusade going on in a big field with hundreds of thousands of people. Literally, they can get these crowds of like a, thousand, uh, like a million people. Reinhard Bunk used to have crusades of a million people in Lagos, Nigeria. Absolutely insane. This Muslim man, deaf in both ears, was tired of walking. So he sat down and he took a nap, okay, on the side of the road. It's not real uncommon in a third world country to see something like that. So he's sleeping on the side of the road and they're preaching up a storm. They give the altar call. They're praying for people to get healed. And all of a sudden, this Muslim man, you can find this video on YouTube. I'll send it to you. This Muslim man jumped up startled because God opened his ears. Now get this. He didn't know what Dude, he was so confused, so he ran to the sound. He ended up getting up to the platform. They interviewed him. They say, he said, oh, I'm a Muslim. I don't even believe in Jesus. They prayed for him. He gave his heart to Christ. That's pretty cool. That's pretty stinking cool. That man wasn't believing for new ears, but he got new ears. Because it's the gifts of healings. Hallelujah. Pretty awesome. And then we have the working of miracles. Now, the gift of working of miracles is not what some call miracles of science. It's not, you know, natural science or medical science or anything like that. It's not man-made, man-made natural intellect or anything like that. It's, it's um, the fact that natural wisdom is just foolish when it's compared to God's wisdom. So, um, here's some things that we see that happen. It's, it's, the ability to do supernatural things. It's the working of miracles. Now, we're going to see a couple things, and I'm going to give these to you quick. Okay, the first one we see, now Jesus did this, but I'm going to show you some things later. But uh, Jesus operated in this a lot. In, uh, in John chapter 2, obviously, uh, at the wedding, Jesus showed up, and they had run out of wine. And, you know, if you know anything about Hebraic custom, that's a very uh, shameful thing to do, very humiliating thing to do. And uh, Mary comes to Jesus, and anyway, she ends up getting him to, to do this, and they get the water pots, and they fill them up with water, and, and Jesus turned the water into wine. Now, that was a miracle, amen? Now, what would be a greater miracle is he, if he had turned some people's wine back to water. Hello. But it happened. Say, what was that? It was a miracle. Um, what do you have in the aspect of um, the prophet? Do you remember when Elijah was by the brook Cherith and the ravens had fed him uh, bread by day and meat and, and he had the water to drink by the brook, but it said that God dried the brook up. And so he, his place of provision had shrunk and had fleeted from him. And so what happened, he went to, uh, he started walking and the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go down to Zarephath and there I've commanded a widow woman to provide for you. And so Elijah got to Zarephath and he finds a widow woman 
and she's picking up sticks at the gate of the city and she's collecting just a little bit of things to make a fire because she's got a little cup of meal and a little cup of the oil. And she said, I'm going to bake a little cake for my son and I so at least that we don't die with an empty stomach. We're just impoverished and we're about to pass away. And what does he say? Give the man of God some first. Man, you know he would have made the newspaper in today's time. Look at that preacher taken away from that widow woman. Boy, you don't you know she's on Medicaid? Don't you know she ain't got but $500 a month? That's not what the prophet of God said. He said, give me some first. And she did, and it did, and it didn't run out, and she sold her stuff and got out of debt, and her children were able to be free. Amen. Crazy. Working of miracles. Then we see Lazarus. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, not three days, but four. There's a reason for the four days. It's a Jewish thing. Won't get into that, but it's interesting because of the belief of the, the Jews about death in the third day. Jesus waited until the fourth day to kind of blow some of their superstition out of the water. Then, here's the cool one, and I'm going to close with this one. Um, do you remember in John chapter 18, Jesus had a disciple named Peter. Peter was saved, but he was also from the south side of God's kingdom. He had an attitude. And he, he saw these guards trying to come at Jesus, right? And so what did Peter do? Peter drew out his sword, cut Malchus's ear off. You will never ever, ever convinced me that Peter was aiming for his ear. I believe Peter was trying to finish the job. Decapitation. You have to admit that would have been a cooler miracle. It would have been a cooler miracle. Anybody put an ear back on, man, come on. Put the dude's head back on, that'd be pretty awesome. But then what happened? Jesus healed it. Jesus healed it. Isn't it interesting that one of the last miracles that Jesus did before he went to the cross was he healed a sinner who was hurt by a zealous Christian? Wow. Think about it. The working of miracles. The working of miracles. Tonight, as we're looking at and finishing up, you close your Bible tonight, these gifts... Going back to verse 1 of our text, but concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, look at it. I do not want you to be ignorant. Why we spent three weeks on this? We really could spend more. We could have spent a whole night on each one of these gifts. Why do we do that? Because we don't want you to be ignorant. What does the Bible say? The Bible tells us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts gifts. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to close with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially, notice this, but especially that you may prophesy, for he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. How be it in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So understand the context there. He's talking about the general assembly, okay? In the general assembly, you need to desire spiritual gifts, 
But in, in that setting, desired to prophesy so that all can be edified by what you said. But that's not the emphasis. The emphasis that I'm wanting to show you tonight is Paul told us to desire spiritual gifts. I hope that over the last few weeks, you have developed a hunger to know there's more. There's more to just coming to church. There's more than just passing out a track. There's more than just sharing a church post on Facebook. But God wants to use you in the gifts that he's given for all to use at his will when he sees fit to use you. You know how you're used in the gifts of the Spirit? You just pray and ask the Lord to use you, and you make yourself available. Now, I'll tell you this, and I'm closing because it's hard to find a stopping spot. You will never be used in the gifts of the Spirit unless you're willing to step out in faith. You won't ever do it. You will not ever do it. You, some, listen, there was a gift of healing working through um, the, the apostles when he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, get up and walk. But guess what? Even though there was a gift working, he still had to get, step out in faith and declare what he felt like the Lord was telling him. You've got to be willing to be used. Amen? How many of you want to be used by God? I do. Praise God. Stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you. I'm going to pray that God would implant in your heart supernatural hunger. Man, I pray that when you're having conversations with people, you would just know stuff. Look, I'm not, folks, listen, the devil has nothing but counterfeit in his kingdom. I'm not talking about being a psychic or reading people's fortunes. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit revealing things to you that need to be revealed talking about him discerning things to your spirit so that you can say, not this person's evil, I don't need to mess with them, or I need to cast this. Listen, the discernment will help you discern if this is a mental illness and somebody needs medicine or if they need the devil cast out of them. We need that. We need it. So let's pray.